From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast. Welcome back to Locked On Chiefs. It is another Red Friday road trip edition. It's been a long week, and I know you guys are are just starting to come out of that funk. Well, Chris is here from Chiefs Digest and LockedOnChiefs.com. You got my stuff over at RGR Football as well as Rogue Analytics. It's getting closer to draft time, so keep an eye on that. It's It's been a tough week to slog through if you cheer for this team, but I feel like the enthusiasm's starting to come back, and they're starting to get ready. I know the team's getting ready. How are you feeling about it, Chris? Oh, trying to adjust to what they have to do. I think they're going to be capable of beating the Seahawks team, uh, but it is still a question mark in my mind how that's going to end up happening. Yeah, I am. I am just waiting to see if Reggie Ragland's comments from last week are going to come through. You know, he was he was very adamant about sticking with his teammates. Uh, he had some good comments after that game. Uh, still, unfortunately, the same old tune, talking about communication and playing your assignments and doing your job. It's week, what, 45 of the season now? You'd think they have that figured out. Well, we know the secondary doesn't, um, which is unexcusable, inexcusable, but it is what it is. Um, before we really dive into this game, let me... Throw it back real quick to my thoughts on the Pro Bowl since I didn't get to say anything about it. Um, really happy for all the guys that did make it in there, uh, this year for the Chiefs. Uh, I do think that Mitchell Schwartz is getting a raw deal. Uh, and I also think Chris Jones obviously has gotten a raw deal. Um, but it is nice to see that the rest of them have gotten the opportunity to go. And it does make sense why the left tackle is going versus the right tackle just for the simple fact that it's a more prestige position. Not because I think Schwartz is a worse player than Fisher. Yeah, I agree. And, and I really didn't cover it a whole lot. Just mentioned the guys the other day. Um, just because it, it's, it's a difficult thing. I, I think Schwartz has clearly outplayed Fisher, but uh, both on the broadcast, on everything else, like the exposure and the fact that this is a fan voted roster, I think that plays into it. Yep. And I really, in a lot of ways, I think that's not fair for players. And I think that that's something that they need to think about when they sign these deals, because you're asking fans to vote for you. And while that can work out in some senses, you have to have your name out there. And uh, for Kansas City, that has been something that's been really hard for years. I agree. And, you know, it's it's just one of those things, uh, especially for for this particular position, for anybody along the offensive line. If you do your job, they're not going to say your name. You're not going to get called out for it. So the exposure piece is that much harder for an offensive lineman. Uh, you know, defensive lineman, they make spa- splash plays. The only way you do your job as an offensive lineman if nobody really notices. Yeah. I, I just think it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, hopefully nobody on the Chiefs team is able to go to the Pro Bowl. So, um, at that point, I'll just say that's all I'm really going to say on it and we'll move on because I'm hoping that nobody can play. <laughs> yeah, let's cross everyone's fingers. Uh, a lot of players earned this. A lot got snubbed. I, I find it interesting that both the uh, specialists, uh, the kicker and punter, are both alternates as well. Um, yeah, it, it tells you had a overall, rough season. He, he has, and so is Anthony Hitchens in term coverage and everything else. But he's there as well, and it shows you that despite whatever problems they have in each phase of the game, that uh, there is representation on this roster that is uh, of high enough quality to be considered. 
I'm, I'm really hard pressed to say that I think Anthony Hitchens deserves it. And I really like Anthony Hitchens as a player, but I think he's been misused. And I know I've said that before, but, um, with the way he's played so far this season, it's really hard for me to justify that one. Yeah, I, I can understand that. You know, let, let's hope that greener pastures are on the other side of this. Uh, you know, desperation. I think it's something that can feed into a team and that can motivate because after cruising, I mean, cruising is probably not the right word, especially with the shootout with the Patriots and everything, but having, having a season where 10 games came and went without too much turmoil or too much confrontation, uh, you know, the last few have just been hit after hit after hit, tough defenses, strong offenses, uh, complete teams, a lot in the AFC. And I think, if if this team felt confident going forward, they have to feel a little bit of that push to reassert their dominance. And I think this this game in particular is really their last chance to prove, put a little fear in the rest of the AFC. Definitely. And you look at one of the stats, uh, and this was from Ben Fennell. I apologize for from butchering the name. Uh says that Seattle runs the ball 52% of the time. That is unheard of in the NFL. And if Kansas City is going to have any chance of winning this game, they have to do it uh, by stopping the run first and not the pass, which is definitely I mean, not their forte. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think you heard me say it on the crossover show on Wednesday, folks. Like, I, I emulate what the Seahawks do. Even that's a little bit heavy run for me. A balance is balance. But, you know, I'm always pushing for 40%, 45% run from from the Chiefs. and. To run more than you pass overall as a season is is quite unique in this day and age. But you see things that are happening. Uh, Chris Carson has had success against the 49ers two out of the last three weeks. Uh, their offense is rolling because they're based on the run and the, the RPO play action. You see teams like uh, the Titans who came in and beat the Chiefs when they shouldn't have because they were able to run the ball. And now you see Derrick Henry as the season has gone on and we've gotten to this point this December point of the season where most teams uh, attrition has caught up with them. There are injuries at every level of every side of the ball in each position group. Uh, and you start to see the dominant runners, the power runners take over. Chris Carson's one of them, just like Derrick Henry is. Uh, and this is a formidable foe that they have to take care of. Absolutely. And it's going to be, uh, it's going to be very rough. Um, they have to sell out to stop the run. And unfortunately, unlike the Baltimore game, um, you have a QB that can beat you passing the ball just as much as he can beat you with his legs. And arguably has more weapons at his disposal, in my opinion. Yeah, and I'm not going to argue about weapons, but what I will say is that uh, he's so much more uh, better of a QB than uh, Lamar Jackson. And that's not really a shot at him. It's just that's the truth of the matter right now. Life of a rookie quarterback. Yep. So, well... I think we we both understand the severity of this game, and I hope you all do too, folks. If the Chiefs do get off on a roll, I think you should root for them hard because uh, this is a serious foe. Uh, we'll take our break. I uh, want to tell you about a couple of our sponsors, and, and folks, we appreciate all the reach out that you guys have been doing lately about sponsoring the show. Uh, we're going to have more as the, the postseason goes on and into the draft seasons as well. Uh, we'll come back. We're going to talk about some of the matchups, how to try to accomplish the goal. We have a powerful new feed to tell you about. Check out Locked On NFL Net on Twitter. It is all the inside information from our hosts for all the Locked On shows for all of the NFL teams in one Twitter feed. That's LockedOnNFL.net on Twitter. Check that out today. 
So clearly, stopping Chris Carson is goal number one for this defense that has has fallen apart in weeks late. Uh, looks like they might have Fuller. Uh, looks like they're going to be mostly full strength. How how do you feel like they're they're set going into this personnel wise? Well, if they have Eric Berry playing, I mean, it changes the game plan for him, and I think they can be a lot more formidable against the run. But I've said this for the past couple of weeks. Uh, when you go up against a foe like this, you need to play your base defense and you need to make them beat you passing the ball, which is not what Seattle wants to do. And if you're Bob Sutton and you're listening to this podcast, which I know you're not because we've been brutal on you the past couple of weeks, but <laughs> uh you have to stop the run and you have to sell out to stop the run. And yes, I understand they can beat you passing. And yes, I understand they can score faster that way. But if you want your defense to have a chance, you have to get Seattle off the field when they're running the ball. And by de- base defense, you mean the three, four look with both outside backers in Houston and Ford stacked outside the tackles with, with everybody inside either head up on the tackle or, or hopefully shaded off the nose, I think is where I'd like to see naughty. But here's the wrinkle. You do that. It still means your linebackers have to take on at least one on one block. Um, what we saw last week, uh, when I watched the film is that Naughty actually started drawing some double teams quite often in the middle. Uh, in fact, one of those, uh, nice, it, I don't think it was a sack, but it was a good pressure from Chris Jones. Uh, he was actually lined up on the five and Naughty drew that double team and one on one, Chris Jones is going to beat you all day long. So that's a nice wrinkle. But here's the thing that concerns me. I think Reggie Ragland can take on guards and have some success. I don't think Hitchens can. And here's the thing that the Seahawks like to do. They did it last week. They came out in it, and they bring in a six lineman, and they go power right off the bat. How do the Chiefs combat that? It's a great question, and I'm not sure how they're going to combat it. I disagree with you. I think Anthony Hitchens can take on guards. Um, I think he's more prone to run around or try to get around them than necessarily go through them. But I think that he can be successful doing that if he's not asked to sit there and read and he's just reacting and playing instinctively. Yeah, and I can buy that. I mean, he's not Derek Johnson, um, who, by the way, folks, I don't know if everybody saw, but Derek said on, on who a media is? show this week. Right. But Derek said on a media show this week that uh, that Reed offered him a job coaching. And he turned it down because he still feels like he has something in the tank. And good for him. It makes me wonder if he could be a player coach for this team. Not not that he's going to unseat Hitchens. Um, I still think Hitchens is probably smoother and faster at this point than, than Derek is at this point in his career. But you put him on the roster, and I think he has the ability from within the player ranks in the linebacker room to coach up Dorio Daniel and Hicks, uh, Hitchens and Rags and get them all in better shape to play in Bob's scheme. Possibly. But, uh, again, I go back to I don't think the scheme is – I mean, the scheme may be an issue, but Hitchens can't do what Derek Johnson could. And I think that's the bigger issue is that Hitchens is fast, but he's not Derek Johnson fast. And his ability in Derek Johnson's speed is what allowed him to play the way he did because he could still sit there and read just enough and then still have the speed to react and make it make a good play. Yeah, I, I'm hoping some of that could rub off the way Derek used to turn his shoulders. I think that's important to how he played, and maybe that's something to have. But I feel like if they come out and they do the six linemen and they're looking at power right down the gut, I'd like to see the Chiefs shift into a bare front, bring Raglan down. I think what we've seen is when they rush, when they blitz Raglan in the A-gap, 
I feel like he gets some upfront pressure. He doesn't get home, but enough that he forces the quarterback off. And if you bring him down into a gap, uh, not necessarily that you have to go cover him, but bring him down into a gap and let Houston and Ford come inside a little bit and take a man straight on, I feel like they have it, the bodies to man up against a six-man front. And if you don't, then bring in an extra D-lineman too. Yeah, I, I can't argue with any of that. I really think that, like I said, the key to this game is stopping the run, and they've got to do it however they feel like they need to get it done. Um, and so I think Eric Berry is going to play a key part. Uh, hopefully he can play more than a half. I would expect that he's going to be playing more closer to, you know, three quarters of the game, probably not the full game, but uh, that would be fantastic for Kansas City because they could really use him. I'm looking for them to platoon him a little bit more. Um, I don't expect him to play the whole first half. I'm hoping that they give, and if it were me, I'd do it by series and just say, okay, you're taking this series off. We're going to let uh, Murray go in there or uh, Sorensen and Parker will probably already be in there. So it'll be Murray. I don't think it's going to be Lucas yet. I don't even know if they'll dress him. I can't remember if he was inactive last week or not, but you know, give him a couple of drives, a couple of series off in the first half to keep him fresh for that third quarter. Give him a couple of, of, of series off in the third quarter so that he can play into the fourth. Cause I think you're right. I think he's probably somewhere between two thirds and three quarters of the total snaps is what they're looking to do with him. So I just want to see them not just let it go to the second half, especially if they have a lead and they fall into the same thing they did last week. Well, it almost sounded like their plan was to do what they did last week, but at the same time, it was a matter of, um, we didn't want him to go back out in the second half that he didn't want him to cool down and then have him sent back out. Uh, so to me, we're going to have to see whether or not they're going to, they're willing to do that this week with him being full, a full participant this entire week. Uh, as of this recording, I think that is a very good thing and a very good possibility at this point for him to come out and hopefully, like you said, play series. Problem is, is then. You know, you get to the end of the game and he's not supposed to be in for a series and it's something where they really need to stop, which is almost always with this defense. And are you going to play him or not? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the first series, the the defense is on the field for the fourth quarter. He needs to be on the sideline so that they flip the ball back and maybe they have two more defensive series and then that way he can be out there the whole time. Because um, I feel like with him in the back, being able to help direct traffic as, as much as, uh, I, I respect what Wilson can do and how he can make plays as well. Um, Lockett's really great. Uh, he's really squirrely. He's going to get away from these cornerbacks, even if Fuller is on the field full time. Uh, but Baldwin's hurt. Uh, he's got a hip issue. I think he'll play, but Baldwin's a quality receiver, but he's not the breakaway speed that you have to worry about. So I think it allows you to still stack that box and take your chances in the pass game. Not going to argue. We can't really argue with that. I I really think this is going to be a, a very interesting game for Kansas City because it's much different than anything that they're going to see the rest of the season because Seattle runs the ball so much. Right. And, you know, on the other side, I want to see Pat and, and Reed come out and attack. Um, I want to see him run in, in between the tackles a little bit. I mean, you know me, I always want to see that more. But against this defense, who defends the run pretty well, well I, know, and I know what you really want. You want to see the full, but you want to see the Pro Bowl fullback Anthony Sherman out there. I do. He deserves it. And honestly, when you look at the middle of that defense, whether it's safety or the second level, or even you know, the, Jaron Reed's a good defensive lineman. 
Uh, but they have some issues along the defensive line too. I want to see them come out with Sherman and pound it right at Bobby Wagner. Get him tired. Bobby Wagner's the best defender on that defense. And if you can wear him down a little bit early in the game, I think that pays dividends later, especially if McDougal, you know, old Bradley McDougal, who you all remember from camp a few years ago with the Chiefs, he's their best defender at safety. He might not be able to go. He's still on the injury report. So I think there's going to be opportunities, uh, especially if Tyreek is feeling 90-ish percent to attack downfield on some of these big plays. Well, and I'm really interested to see what they do with uh, Kelvin Benjamin this week because it was obvious that they tried to give him the ball last time. And with 10 more days in this offense, I feel really good about his addition going forward. Um, I'm not going to say he's going to play a huge part in this game, but he certainly he certainly could. Seattle is not a good defense. They should be able to score 30 points. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's going to be the question of does being in a, in a foreign field, you know, uh, enemy territory, does that help them circle the wagons? Does that help them stay focused? Does it keep the intensity up? We saw what Barry did for this team in the first half last week. That's got to rub off not only on this defense again, but onto the offense as well. And I, I think they got to come out firing right away, uh, uber aggressive. Uh, and show everyone, hey, remember that offense we had the first 11 weeks? Well, we still got it. Uh, we kind of, you know, put a new catalytic converter on ourselves and slowed ourselves down. Now we're going to open it back up. And that would be fantastic because I do think that they have the ability to do that. Um, and I think, you know, we've talked about this a little bit, but I think part of the offensive struggle lately has been a lack of Kareem Hunt and his abilities in the backfield because he is so difficult to bring down and he does, he did so many things well. Uh, but I also think it goes past that. And I think they're still getting over the whole Kareem Hunt incident. I mean, it, you may not think that it's that big of a thing, but he was a big part of their locker room. That's going to affect them for a while. And yes, they're professionals. Yeah, he's a and, pro Bowl player. Yeah. Yes, they're professionals. Yes, they should be able to get past it, but you can't just get past throwing somebody basically off your team and saying, See ya. And I'm not saying the team shouldn't have done it because they should have, but it's still a difficult agree, situation. Jim. It is. And you know, the guy that could have brought stability got hurt and Spencer Ware. He's only been in limited practice this week. So maybe they could get some reps out of him if they really felt like they have to. Uh, I haven't heard anything specific about how well he's moving, just that he wasn't a full participant. So that makes me think maybe he's available, but they're not going to start him which goes back to Williams and Williams. And I feel like the one thing, again, back to Sherman, that the thing that they haven't done uh, is let Daryl run inside. Uh, I think he is a guy that could be a bowling ball in there, especially if he's got a lead blocker. But uh, when he's been in the game, we've seen him catch the ball more than run the ball. So um, I'm looking for them to kind of fight fire with fire a little bit and run the ball a little bit more, try and wear down that defense, hit the play action that is really going to pay off for the Chiefs again. Well, and we haven't even talked about one of their biggest weapons in Travis Kelsey. Um, he is, I think, just over 100 yards away from setting the tight end record for most yards in a season, and I think he gets it this game. I think he's going to have a big game against the Seahawks team. And again, the play action, I think, is going to be that much more helpful. Yep. Definitely should be. Well... All right, folks, we're going to give you our second break. We'll be right back, and we're going to actually Are get down to the predictions. New customers, I could be mentioning your business right now. 
Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with their sponsors than on web pages or other forms of media. Our demographic is 98% males and offers more opportunities than traditional media audiences. Have your company sponsor this podcast today. Email us at lockedonchiefs at gmail.com. All right. Am I going first or are you? I don't know. I've gone first the past couple of times. Okay. Well, I, I'm hoping that at least elements of what I'm suggesting they do actually happens, but I'm not going to bank on it. So I feel like they're going to let this Seahawks team in reality. I think Andy's going to, Bob's going to let him run on him. Andy's not going to be as uber aggressive as I want him to be. And I feel like if they have that same slow start, we're in for a fairly tight game. Um, so I am going to keep it lower scoring than I would like to. Um, I think they should score 30. I don't know that they will. So I'm calling it 28-24 Chiefs. But you're still calling for a win. I am. Really hard for me to argue with most of what you said because we what we have seen from Andy Reid and Bob Sutton is they don't do things the way that we think that they should. Um, Andy Reid, in my opinion, has the MVP candidate at QB for him right now. And he has slowed down that Ferrari, if you want to call it that. Thank you, Lewis Riddick, uh, <laughs> over the past couple of weeks. And I do think that that's partially on Andy. Now, don't get me wrong. Mahomes has missed a play here and there, but the offense hasn't been as crisp. It hasn't been, the play calling hasn't been as good. Andy really needs this. He's done really well coming out of bye weeks and he has extra time to prepare for Seattle. I think they're going to get it going and I think they score over 30. I think they're going to go, I think it's going to be 35. And unfortunately for Kansas City, I think it's going to be 27 Seattle, but it shouldn't be that close. Well, let's hope that one way or the other, the Chiefs don't stumble again. The Chargers game is going to be very important. I think that's the night before, right? Yep. It's Saturday night. So keep an eye on that, folks, because that Ravens matchup for the Chargers is going to be a tough one, too. Very similar how these two teams that threw the ball a lot last week are going to face two teams that run the ball really, really well. So um, I will be paying special attention. We will I, have post game, But I still think that the um, Ravens team is better than the Seahawks. So, yeah, we'll see. I think it's pretty close. Their defense definitely is overall. Yin and yang of offense and defense. I don't know. The experience of the quarterback makes a huge difference. For That's them. true, too. I just think the Ravens defense is a lot better and uh, than the Seahawks. And offensively speaking, I think they've done enough to get – I think they can win in San Diego. Uh, whether or not they will or not is is a question, especially with them missing probably – or possibly missing Keenan Allen, although it sounds like Melvin Gordon will be back. Yeah. Good luck against that defense, though. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. Should the Chargers stumble, uh, the Chiefs have some pressure relief. Um, but I still feel like in terms of their focus, um, and their mental state going into the playoffs, this Seahawks game is critical. If they can go up there and get a win in, in enemy territory, I think this feeds well for their playoff run. No, absolutely. And to me, this is actually playing out. Better than I, or really kind of how I wanted it to play out. I would have preferred them not having a chance to rest their starters week 16 and 17. Um, in theory, that sounds great, but I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it would have worked well for Kansas City, especially considering if they would have rested their starters, they would have had a first round bye. So you rested them for, you know, two weeks. 
that's not exactly how I want to be going into the playoffs. A week is going to be enough time for them to rest and get healthier. So, yeah. Well, folks, we want to know what you think is going to happen too. So hit the locked on chiefs account over at Twitter. Uh, make sure you check out chiefs digest. All of our stuff will be there, including predictions. Uh, from around the league that Chris does every week. And that's great stuff. I always like to see who's going to pick against me. Uh, as well as RGR, I'll have the game plan video up a little bit early. Uh, Thursday night, actually, by the time you're hearing this, it should be up. Uh, we'll have post-game podcast action after the game that night. Um, I will do a live on RGR that evening as well. So uh, after that, the Christmas week's going to be a little hit or miss. But we hope that you enjoy your holiday uh, and enjoy this game. We'll touch base with you afterward. Subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Chiefs. Check out my work at RGR Football on YouTube, Chris's work on LockedOnChiefs.com, and all of Seth's film analysis at TheAthletic.com. Thanks for listening.